0: Casting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? The Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. Yeah, I don't know, maybe he didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm gonna tell but it anyway. I, I knew you were gonna go there. And <laughs> close the entire hunting season. Oh the really? The Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. By Hay Bale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County, find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism, plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, our next guest is Cam Smith. He was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in uh, 2019 in the fifth round. He's a linebacker and then announced in August of 2020 that he needed open-heart surgery. Holy smokes. And how he found that out, that's quite a story we'll ask him about too. He returned briefly in 2021, only to announce his retirement from football shortly after that. Uh, What happened? What's he doing now? Well, since he's on this show, I bet it has something to do with hunting and fishing. Uh, So we're going to find out. Uh, He joins us now here, Cam Smith. Thanks for being on the show with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm excited how, to be here.
0: How are you doing? Everything everything good, health-wise?
1: Everything's great. Yeah. Uh it's it's I mean, we picked up and we we just changed our lives drastically. So that little that little bit of of life that's kind of unknown. It's kind of, you know, what are we doing next is makes it a little bit uneasy but for for the most part and for every other aspect of it, life is great. I mean, we're just my girlfriend and I live out in Texas and we're just, you know, we're, we're enjoying life again. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're going out and chasing what we want to do. So that's exciting.
0: Texas, man, that'd be a fun state to live in. I'm a little jealous. I mean, I like where I'm at. I like being up here in the North, but uh, Texas is a fun state. And let's talk about, you know, the last year or two. I mean, what, what a crazy time in the world, first of all, but you had some, some curveballs thrown in there as well, you know, throwing some open heart surgery. I think you got a lot of us beat in uh, the, the craziness. Tell us, tell us what happened.
1: It was all due to COVID. Uh, we, we came back on July 21st, I believe it was. And, uh, of 2020, we needed to do, we had to do three COVID tests in a row and test negative for all of them. Um, and then we could, uh, step foot in the building. So the first one, I get tested and we're just kind of uh, going throughout the rest of the day. I'm going to work out after. And there was like a kind of a an app type deal where it would go on and show your results. So I'm looking at it and it's like positive. Does that mean, you know, there was an antibodies part and then, and then the COVID test part. And I was like, all right, positive. So maybe I've I had it, I was on Big Island for the 4th of July. So, um, you know, maybe that was, where I got it and now I'm good or whatever. You can catch a lot of things on Big
0: Island on the 4th of July. That you can (laughs) do right there. (laughs) So,
1: um, yeah, I mean, I just, I was around a bunch of people and they're like, no, I think you're reading that wrong. I think you have COVID currently. And I was like, all right, well, that's not good. So come back the next day, test negative for both. Following day, negative again, following day, negative again. So I'm like, all right, cool. They're like, all right, come in and do, and go through your, uh, our physicals and, and, you'll be ready to go day one. So I'm like cool go through, you get the entire physical is EKG, um, hearing sight, full body physical, and um, get the EKG. And and then part of testing positive for COVID, you have to go in and get an echocardiogram. So um, they send me in that following day, I go get an echo. And I come back and our our head trainer, Eric Sugarman is like, we need you to get an MRI, okay, interesting. So I go get the the MRI, um, and then like when I come back, they tell me that, you know, like we're we're pretty concerned. Uh, your heart is three times the size of a normal heart. Oh, um, uh, you, it showed that I had a bicuspid aortic valve, so I had two flaps. One one of the valves that push blood throughout the rest of my body from my heart normally has three, like kind of like a peace sign looking deal. Mine only had two. Um, and then one of the flaps was longer than the other one, so when it would clamp to stop the blood, it would slide, and blood would be regurgitating back into my heart. Well, um, the very first doctor, the cardiologist, yeah, the very first cardiologist I went and saw in Minneapolis, she looked at me like, "Yeah, football's done. Like you need a mechanical, a, me- a mechanical valve. You're gonna be on blood thinners for the rest of your life." And I was like, oh. "Blood thinners, like I, you can't do anything on that, right?" She goes, "No, like your whole life is gonna be totally different." I go. No, it's not. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna be on blood thinners for the rest of my life. And football's not done either. So, um, luckily, uh, the following day, John Dornbos, he played in Philadelphia, or he played in New Orleans for 16 years, and then um, got traded to Philadelphia. And he, he actually um, was found out that he had the exact same uh, bicuspid aortic valve than I did. And then he had an aneurysm, and a, in a like, his was a lot more severe. He was a little bit older. So he reached out and he said, this is, here's the surgeon that I use. This is the guy you want. It's the only person you want. Um, And so I got on a FaceTime with that, with that, uh, that heart surgeon, uh, like the following day, or even maybe it was that day. And he looked at me like, I'm like, I've worked on baseball players. I've worked on fighter jet pilots. I've worked on basketball players. um, And all of them have returned to play, to play the sport that they want. I will do the same for you. I was like, cool. Like, I like that you not only want to fix me and make me better, but you also want to make me better. Like you're not trying to just change my life forever, make me some, you know, low life person who can't even leave the house if I fall, then I die. So um, I thought that was really, really cool. And I liked that our mindsets were on the same page, um, where he was trying to get me to, to live like a 24 year old active adult that I was um so I met with him out of Philadelphia he did the surgery and within within I think it was two weeks prior to that um to the surgery like my heart had already been back down to its original size all I was waiting for was my um was my um sternum bone to heal and after that like I I worked the entire from January through the start of fall camp um just worked to get back and worked to try and play football again and and successfully did so and yeah so it's i'm definitely one of probably the only cases where i can say that covid saved my life <laughs> if i didn't have if i didn't test positive for covid that one time which i'm still thinking it's a false positive because i don't remember ever having it um but without that i who knows when my, my i mean i would have played through the whole year who knows if i would have died um or i would have died at a pretty young age and um because of this and yeah, my life is totally different because of it.
0: What could have happened? I mean, if if they hadn't caught that, what could have happened?
1: So I i asked him, I said, can I maybe monitor this and like play through the year and then get the surgery at the end of the year? I was like, this is a pretty big year for you know, I mean every year in the NFL is a big year, but I'm like, I'd like to be able to try and play if I can. Like yeah, we could maybe monitor it and you could maybe make the season or um they would look over and you would be dead on the field like not not like oh, get him to the hospital like you'd be dead like on within seconds you would be dead so uh probably not worth it we'll just uh we'll just get the surgery and and do that so i mean luckily the vikings organization is just top-notch and they they took they just supported me through the whole thing stood by my side and made the whole situation easier and allowed me to, you know, to stay around the team the whole year and come back for the fall training camp. And I owe a lot to them. They, they've, they, have you they, know, they stood by me in an industry where that's not very. Common.
0: Sure. So then you come back and in fact, Dan was at the game, the first game, that preseason game where you came back and then you suffered an injury in that game. Uh-huh. Tell us about that.
1: Well, I had, uh, in, in like May, I was like, all right, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've been doing a lot to get back to this game. Like I've, I, uh, I put a lot, I'm putting a lot of my body to try and play a game. Um, you know, that, uh it's just, it's a little bit different for me. Like it's, you know, it's we got a lot invested in this and, um, you know, I still love the game and I, I love being around the guys and stuff like that. But when I got when I got the concussion, it just made me think. Like, all right, like I just had open heart surgery and, you know, and they say my sternum bone is, is stronger than it was before because I'm tied together with fish wire. And I'm like, all right, you know, it's I should be fine there. But then when I get the concussion, I was like, you know, I got a lot more outside of life that I want to live. Um, you know, it's always been a dream to run around with my kids, shoot, remember their names, like just some serious things that that get risked playing the game of football. And so when I got the concussion, that was the first that was the first documented concussion that I've ever had. And uh, and I and I felt like I was like, if this is a concussion, like I've had a lot of these, hmm. let's be real. Like this, if, if we're going to call this concussion where I hit my head and I saw some stars and like, I, I mean, you, as a football player, yeah, it's, it, it's different saying it now because I'm now like, you know, like I'm not part of the game like in a way anymore, but I'm like, I, I've seen stars and hit my head so hard that, you know, on a, on a other, every other week basis for a lot, since I was. Probably more so, like sophomore year of high school. Like since then, hmm. it's been my head's been. I mean, I, you're in you're in car accidents, especially at linebacker. Yeah. Forty five yeah. plays a game, like every every play, I'm running into somebody else. Collision. So that's just kind of yeah, it's it's head on head collisions with guys that are 300 pounds, like, or or a, a, a mean 240 a Dalvin cook, a CJ ham that are running really hard. I'm like, I just, I don't know if this is it for me anymore. Like I, I got, like I said, I had a lot of other stuff outside of the game that I was so ready to live in a way that I was like, I think this is it. And uh, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm happy to, to, I'm happy that I'm, I'm here where I am now without, without, you know, having some serious, I don't, I mean, I guess you'll never know. I mean, we'll never know if we had like serious injuries cause they even the CTE stuff, they can't tell until you're dead. Yeah. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad to be here right now and have got, got the opportunity to play for such a great organization like the Vikings got to, got to follow my dreams. And um, it was such a great opportunity, such a great, Um, you know, it was a great life that I lived for just playing football through it all. And now it's time to move on and, and follow dreams and follow the passions that are, that are, you know, sorry, I'm rambling, but football (laughs) is, you know, football is football is a passion. And I mean, for me, it was a passion that became a job and and it's a job that asks a lot of you. And uh, even even it even though it's only six months, and people look at it like, "What a great life, man! You only work for six months. You work you work three hundred sixty five days round. a year. You're yeah, working absolutely. out everything you everything you do revolves around the game of football. What yeah. you eat, how you work out, the people you hang out with. Um, you know, it's constantly thinking about a job, and then for that six months, it's the most daunting tasks that someone can ask you to do running into another human being full speed
0: yeah I don't know
1: with fans with with fans other people that have never played football before criticizing you it's a lot it just it took took a toll on me I was like I'm this is uh, not the same
0: yeah man first of all let us say we're glad you're still here too you know I I get it the dream of playing the NFL I mean we we both played high school football you know well obviously not the same level but but you, you you fall in love with it and you 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 know, you dream of playing in the NFL someday and, uh, you know, to have it cut short with an injury. It sucks. I get it. But that game is is so rough. And you hear so many horror stories now about guys that have been playing for a long time, especially with with concussion issues and things like that, that there is more to life than football and I'm sure you've talked about football a lot so I want I want to get away from football a little bit and talk about something that's near and dear to our hearts and sounds like yours too and that's waterfowl and duck hunting because it sounds like you're jumping yeah. into that world especially not just with the shotgun but with the camera too and I want to find out where all of that came from so let's just go back to the beginning and uh, let's talk about you're from California is that right
1: yeah um, just 20 minutes northeast of Sacramento so it's a little bit more rural up there. Um, mm. And then we're about uh, an hour and a half south of Chico in, in like, the Butte Sink area where it's, some pers- like, some prime duck hunting. I mean, it it's people, some people that don't, you know, they think the Arkansas timber and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, the, the North Dakota and South Dakota, like, the dry, dry cornfield hunts, like, that's it. It is. Those are, those are every Californian would say, I went out
0: there. Yeah. And there's
1: a lot of people that see what California does, and then and we shoot well. And, we and like, it's a different type of – just another different type of hunting.
0: I had no idea. And then I we've got some relatives that live in California, and, and I was talking to him one year at Christmas or whatever, and he said, hey, anytime you want to come shoot ducks in the desert, let me know. And I was like, duck hunting in California? And then I did a little bit of research, and, Dan, maybe you can pull it up, but I didn't realize just how many duck hunters and how many ducks get shot – Each year in California, like duck hunting in California is a big deal.
1: Um, Yeah, I started duck hunting like my sophomore, freshman or sophomore year of high school. Um, My dad, my dad wasn't ever really into it. My grandpa did a little bit, but he was, he definitely fished a lot more. My dad was, is a good fisherman. And, um, and then I just, I, I'd wanted to get my uh, hunting license early, like 10 years old. And I just never had anyone to. Mm-hmm. really do it and then like one of my mom's best friend's husband that hunted a little bit and I always talked about it and then I just never really did it because I was young it never really had anybody to like to that I thought would take me kind of thing so um mm-hmm. then a lot of my friends in high school they uh they hunted you know and they were pretty successful too and I just jumped on there kind of just jumped in and and tried to make a it's it's I think it's hard to in any outdoorsman activity. It's really hard to just jump into something if you if you haven't had a a father, grandfather for sure. um, You know, somebody teaching at a young age. And and so when I jumped in and realized, wow, I love this, and this is something that I've I've known I wanted to do for a really long time, and finally I'm doing it. I jumped in really hard, Um, and a lot of a lot of. It's hard playing football too because you. It's the fall. you only fall. Get so much time to hunt, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, and so through my time at like SC, every every opportunity I'd have off, I'd just jet up north, and so but but throughout the last five years, um, or six years of between college and then um, in the NFL, I lived all my duck hunting through Instagram and YouTube. Hmm. I watched I. People will be like hey did you watch seen that video five times already like that because i because when i'm in los angeles i'm like i can't I'm, where am i gonna go home yeah. like the only time i can go is when i get a, a day off so um but i just started learning a ton just through the instagram and just really started like diving in really hard and then uh yeah so it's that was kind of how it all started and then again i fell in love with it and it in a way is taken me through from one profession it's i don't want to say i i gave up my nfl career for to go duck to be to dive into this industry but in a way i did like it i i want you know it's it's something that i just really enjoy doing and it, it creates more of that friday night lights high school mm-hmm. football field than it does than it was playing on a saturday or a sunday
0: dude i I don't have the same story, and I'll just tell this real quick. But I I was a radio guy for a long time, and it's the same kind of thing. It kind of consumed my entire life. And I actually lived in North Dakota and didn't buy a hunting license for five years just because I was working all the time. And uh, I lived right. in I lived in Fargo, and our our uh, our AM station KFGO was our AM station was the flagship for NDSU for the Bison football team up there. Won a bunch of national championships. Good, good football program. The tailgating was insane. The, the entire city would come out for it. Well, I'd sit there on a Saturday mornings, uh, on a Saturday morning, you know, throwing out T-shirts to drunk college kids, where all my buddies were were shooting mallards in cornfields. And I'm like, something is wrong with this picture. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that, that eventually led me to where I am. Because I ended up getting out of that job and and kind of focusing on on outdoor radio instead, and now I can I can do my radio show while I'm in the field shooting mallards. So, a waterfall waterfowling has that effect on people, and man. Once you fall for it, you fall fall for it pretty hard. Um, when when you got drafted by the Vikings, was that was you know hunting was that part of that at all? Were you, were you excited to come to Minnesota?
1: Absolutely, but then I I had those same thoughts of. Mm. We're gonna miss like it's it's hard being in Minneapolis during this time. Yeah. Like, it's
0: hard being in Minneapolis and, and all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be <laughs> but, honest.
1: But the best thing about playing in California was the season ended mm-hmm. or ends the end of January.
0: Oh. So I'd have
1: yeah. I'd have four four weeks to hunt really hard after after the season. And then all the way into early season or late season goose and when i was when i got drafted to minnesota i was like "Mm, the season in the whole northern region is the prime like the prime of the of our regular season so it's like i don't know how much i'm gonna get this done i hunted i hunted well not including my open heart surgery because i couldn't shoot a gun um i hunted three times in Minnesota. Hmm. And I was there for two years. So yeah, it was not the most ideal situation.
0: So, not only hunting, but you got into the photography side of of waterfowl as well, and probably the outdoors in general. I, I, I think taking pictures of ducks is probably my favorite, partly because of all the colors, also um, just the the challenge of capturing the, the waterfowl in flight, and then just the surroundings that you put yourself in when you are taking pictures of ducks. What got you into waterfowl photography?
1: So, I reference I reference. Um, this kid a lot, uh, because it was really the way he started, he kind of opened my eyes to what was actually going on um, in the hunting industry. His name is Brandon Fiend. He's out of mm. he's out of uh, Butte sink area. Sure. And uh, he's I think he's 1920 years old, maybe he's shooting in Nebraska at uh, I forget the outfitter, but uh, he's he's, he's phenomenal. He's a great I mean, he, he I was again, living through Instagram seeing these people posting pictures. And I realized, wow, this, this industry, this out, this this photography, the photography has drastically grown in the hunting industry, not just wildlife photography, but like just hunting in general. People are like, wow, I can, I can pick up a camera. And these, the cameras these days are not complicated at all. Mm -hmm. A mirrorless camera, you see everything you want out of the, out of your viewfinder. And like, all you do is understand that, understand the, the camera system a little bit. And, and then understand Lightroom and you're set. And um, so that was, I think it was probably four and a half, five, five years ago where I really dove into it. And I felt like I just wanted to capture these hunts and our, our memories in different ways than just a little snapshot on my phone. Um, so I dove in hard and it was right, yeah, it was like right at the end of my college career and I started making money and I dove into it really hard. And uh, and then it's been a little bit of an inconvenience um, during the season cause I, I'd be able to, to, to take pictures for, you know, a month and a half or two months and then I'd have to put it down. And so I never, I, I felt like right when I was getting the season going again, I was like kind of, it took me two or three times to get comfortable with my cameras again and like, and just, kind of figure it out again so um now i'm just really excited to be able to do it like as much as i want to
0: heck yeah what are you shooting
1: i shoot a canon r6 um (laughs) a couple different bodies
0: that's that's what we're filming this with is an r6 right now is it it's a great camera
1: yeah it's it it is i i've i bounced around a lot um i started on a canon 60 mark ii and then i went through sony and Cause I was like, oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to go. Cause Canon, so, Canon was so late to the party of mirrorless cameras and Sony was running it and still, still is a lot of people would say run, uh, is they're, they're running the tables. Like it's the, the, just the, the options that they offer from everything you need. And, and, and I have some complaints right now with, with Canon, um, but in the end, like, I think it's the, the, most user friendly. I think I love just like the the interface, how the menu system works, the, how it feels in my can- with in my hand, and uh, and I just didn't like Sony. Like my my I shot shot this. I had a Sony A seven R four, and then a um, an A nine, and I and I and I just if my hand is so big and it's just so uncomfortable. And I traded I traded all my lenses lenses in both my bodies, and uh, I'm like trying to slowly. I, I'm such a gearhead in every in every aspect of life that I'm like I'm trying to just like just do with what I need right now and like yeah. i'm 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 probably gonna I need a couple of new lenses and, and <laughs> two more bodies but <laughs> but it, for right now it's like I'm just let's just do with what I have and and have fun doing it and uh, and it'll be yeah it'll be it, enough yeah
0: the r6 is amazing like I just bought. I'm getting into more filming. I was shooting Nikons for stills, and then I was getting into more filming, so I bought a Panasonic GH5, which is a really great video camera. Stills Mm -hmm. on it aren't the best. And I took a trip with with Corey Loeffler. We were during the debut of the Sitka white suits for snow goose hunting. We we took a trip down to Texas and back and hunted all the way down and filmed the whole thing. And I was trying to take pictures. The old dog running through shallow water to retrieve a duck pick, and I was so excited to take that photo and I just could not get it with the GH5 and, uh, Corey had his R6 with, and I'm like, let me see that camera. And I didn't want to, once I started, I didn't want to give it back to him. And, uh, I literally yeah. went out and bought one then after I got back. So we're filming with the Dan's on the GH5 and I'm on the R6 right now. They're still both good video cameras, but the R6 is just, uh, just unreal. And the other day, actually, we were filming a goose hunt and, I almost sank it. I almost put it underwater, like fell over in my waders in the water. It was like waist deep and I'm completely underwater except my hand. It's like it's like pushing the sword. It was the lady in the lake, the sword coming out of the water and it was like holding the camera up uh, over the surface of the water and sacrificing the rest of my body uh, because it gets a little daint. I put that camera in situations I probably shouldn't.
1: So I, I during la- last year, um I was shooting a lot of wildlife photography um again because I couldn't shoot a gun and I was still around the team and walking around in Minnesota and I don't know I mean it must it must must, in the marsh water it must be because like California it dries up and and I'm in Minnesota it doesn't so there was a few times I was just in a couple close zones just like trying to make it easy on myself and I walked in Um, And I had a pair of muck boots on. Like I didn't even have waders on or anything. It it was just, it was like, it was that exact day. And, uh, and I stepped foot and it, I sank down to to my, to my quad on both feet, on both, on both legs. And my muck boots were completely stuck. And I leaned back and I was, my, my head, just everything was fully underwater. And I just had my camera, like, just like how you described it. And I was like, And I walked, and then I walked like a mile and a half back, soaking wet, like I mean, disgusting. And I was like, "At least I still have this. At least I still have this."
0: Save the camera. Yeah, you can. It's a lot easier to dry your clothes off than it is an R six. So yeah man so when when you got interested in photography obviously you wanted to take pictures of what you're doing out there but was there a photo that you saw one day and maybe it was one of Brandon's do you remember seeing a picture and saying I want to take that picture or I want to get into photography because of that photo right there and uh, try to find a way to take that picture
1: so there's a few there's a few that come to my mind of of a picture that like early on in my career where I was like, this is, this is why I want to do it. This is what, you know, what drew me to this entire thing. And, and, and since then, um, you know, I, I uh, I'm sure, you know, who Lee chose is. Um, being a,
0: <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, I've a, got him in the notes. I was going to ask you a question about Lee chose as a matter of fact.
1: Yeah. So I talked to him at the, uh, the game fair oh, a yeah. couple ago, and I was I was I was over there sitting in the uh, in the the boss uh, tent talking to him, and he showed he pull, pulled out this book of everything he's done. And I was like, Pff. and and the greatest part about him is like being an older head. Uh, you know, social media wasn't his right; he's really his thing. He even described it like, I don't really care about social social media. And I sat I sat there, and I was like, people don't even know who you are. And yet you can pull out this book and everything that you, if you're, if you're a duck hunter, everything you have,
0: you've seen his in work so,
1: in some day, in yeah. some day, like, or in a, in a daily basis of being in sportsman's warehouse, um, shields, wherever you want to go, you're going to see something that he's taken a picture of. Yeah. And, and on, you know, on, on, on a heavy seal or all the Benelli stuff, it's like, this guy's is the best i mean he's probably one of the greatest to ever do it and i talked to him i was like so where'd you like did you have any inspiration and uh he answered no he goes the inspiration i got was from like uh old school um like painters yeah and i like and i walk and i walked away and i go that is such an insane response because i mean i i get a lot of inspiration from people I, i i find it from I mean, I, I have all my, all just on my photography, Instagram, it's all just filled up with different photographers and, and every, I mean, just to like, just to get inspiration, but also do, you know, do my own thing and just to see what people are doing and all that stuff. But when I was, that, I was like, I was like, just feel different. Like it's, you're just, it just, it's what you were born to do in a way. Yeah. Um, so, but to, to, to answer your question, I think, um, earlier on, I'd have, I'd have to go through some pages. Uh, but j- there's a bunch of different, different pictures that I've saved. And just like, wow, this is sure. early, especially more more so early on, because now I'm, I feel like I kind of am understanding what my style is, and what I want to do and who I am. Um, but earlier on, definitely like there's, I could pull out 10 pictures of, of just different uh, photographers. And I'm like, You're the, this is the reason why or what I wanted to capture when I got to the end result. So
0: well, I wonder how many people Lee Chose is, is uh, inspired to pick up a camera because I don't know how many times I've tried to take a picture of a dog retrieving a duck with that splash water, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, and it's because of Lee Chose. And when I had him on this show and he told me that he couldn't even, he couldn't even remember how many times he's had a photo on the cover of a magazine. He goes, I don't know, 150 something or other, probably more than that man you know bow to the king the guy is uh the guy is good at it and uh it's probably inspired right. a lot of people so um you hunted with tony van uh was it recently or you've hunted down at habitat flats before
1: yeah so my my dog is at um uh habitat flats kennels right now so i reached out again through my time spent on on uh on youtube i it was I think they had posted the video for three hours and it was Tony and Clint. Clint is the, who, the head trainer, whoever you want to uh, title it at, uh, at HFK. And they were talking about starting to kennel. And I originally had my dog elsewhere and uh, she was with me for just right after I had open heart surgery. And um, I said, I called them up and I said, Hey, in, in my head, I'm like, however I can get to be a part of, this organization in some way, um, I'm going to try my best. And I, and I reached out and and Clinton has been become a real good buddy of mine. And I got to, yeah, I got to, um, hunt dove opener with Tony and some of the other, uh, owners of habitat flats and, and it's, it's become a place where I'll spend most of my, like, I'll, I'll go up there for their opening, their opening day, check on my dog. Um, I've spent a lot of time over there, so. it it, Yeah, but anyway, it started as in a way a business move of like, just going to shake some hands and Mm -hmm. trying to meet some people. And now it's, it's got friendships involved. And it's got relationships. And, and uh, they're just such great people over there. And um, I'm thankful to have my dog there. And uh, so yeah, but Honey with Tony was was a great experience. At least.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure that's a nice organization there. Where where else have you traveled for a waterfall trip or where else would you like to go?
1: Oh well the bucket list is is long. Um I've hunted <laughs> in uh um it's really only been Missouri, Minnesota, um, and then California and then into Oregon as well. Um but Idaho's on the list. Mm. Um, I've, th- uh, last time I was at, uh, the kennel, um, a guy named Cody, Cody Reynolds who runs uh yellow bone retrievers out of Arkansas. Um, so we've been talking a lot about trying to push over there. Um, uh, i want to get in the, I want to get in the timber. That's definitely mm. a bucket list goal. And then, um, I've been trying to re- I've been re- reaching out to and talking with, uh, Falco out of, um, Oklahoma. Um, that's another, bucket Good list. um, and obviously, Good yeah, dudes. yeah. He, he got back to me quickly and they're also Minnesota natives. Um, and it's funny. I, when you, when I first got to Minnesota, I realized, I, I never realized how many different ties there are back to that state. Like, I mean, I was at in San Diego two years ago and there was like a full on Vikings bar. I was like wow this is cool and then, and then a lot of people that I've tied through or met through after I've left in the last two months of like oh yeah we're originally from Minnesota we're huge Vikings fans or blah 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 and I'm like this is crazy it's there it branches out but and then obviously the Dakotas are up there um, I'll hunt anywhere I mean Heck yeah. and, and everywhere Canada
0: you need to get to Saskatchewan on your list for sure
1: that's absolutely. So I think that's a bucket list for 95% of.
0: Oh, yeah. Hunters. That's so that video is from our, we stopped at Falco on our way down to Texas. So there's JD Blag right there. And, uh, this is some of the stuff I filmed down there with Corey on our, on our way down there. Nice. Falco is a cool place, man. Good dudes. Yeah. But, um, I, I want to ask you one more question. I know we've had you on for a long time here. I want to ask you one more question about, uh, the outdoors in the NFL. And what was it like in, in the locker room? You know, you don't hear a lot about pro sport athletes that like to hunt and fish. You hear about a few Brian Robinson likes to fish. So you hear about a few of those guys, but what was the reaction like when you'd be in the locker room talking with guys and they'd be talking about what well, I don't know, cars or going to the club or, or whatever. And you would say, man, I got a new 12 gauge. <laughs> you know what, what was the reaction like?
1: It just kind of depends on who you're talking to. Um, a guy like Eric Kendricks, who um, I consider a, a great buddy of mine, like he'll eat up on other people's passions. Hmm. Like he loves it. He loves hearing what other people are into. And that guy is the most passionate person and loves cars. He loves and is so knowledgeable about them. that, that That's just what he – I mean, that's what gets his his blood boiling. Like he loves it. And so we we would share – you know, our, our passions for it. I talked to him about photography, would do all this, like, ask questions. He, and he's just, a, he's just a cool, genuine dude. And then there's some people who will hear me talk about it and they'll move on. And it's like, mm. yeah, it's just it's, it's like, you know, a, a form of if somebody was talking to me about gi you cards, like, I'd be like, oh, I don't really know anything about it. Like, I'm just gonna move on. Yeah. It's it, it has a same And there. And I thought that I was gonna move, you know, go to go into the NFL and find a lot of people that were into it. And there's really not, I think. There was two people on the team in my two and a half years there that hunted a little bit, and most of them are pheasant hunters you know, or mm. upland hunters. Like, sure. So, and then, you know, I'm hearing about Chad Greenway and I'm like, yeah, I just missed him. Like what a great per- person, you know, from the, De- from South Dakota Yeah. loves a duck hunt. It's like, oh, I would've been a great person to be around. Um, and be, I've been in contact with Brian Robertson a little bit. Um, and I'm picking up on bass fishing a lot in the last two years i love it um so we've, we've kind of been talking a little bit but yeah it's people are just uh you know something that again that's so unfamiliar with people yeah if you're not bored into it it's hard to get into for sure and hard to listen to people about it's just a different lifestyle
0: absolutely well, all right man uh we'll let you get back there uh i appreciate the time if you ever get up to minnesota you want to do some some hunting let me know we'll, we'll go chase some ducks and geese around. Um, and, and, uh, tell everybody where we can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, my, uh, my photography Instagram is, uh, cam.smith.photo. Um, I've played with some names around there and it will probably change a lot, but, um, but it's also in my, um, my regular Instagram bio. Um, my regular Instagram is underscore kill a cam. Um, so yeah, you can find that there. Um, Yeah. So it's hopefully it'll be growing here pretty soon. And, and uh, like I said, it's something I'm chasing and and gonna do everything I can to, to get my, you know, to get, to do what I want to do for the rest of my life and do something that I love. So yeah, that's, yeah.
0: For sure, man. Well, if you were listening to this on uh, the radio station, you can catch more of this interview on our YouTube or Facebook channel, uh, cam smith, Glad you're glad you're doing well health-wise. Good luck in the waterfall world, man. It's it's uh, you'll love it. It's so much fun you already do. But uh, you'll love it. Uh, and thanks for the time today on the show. All right, thank you so much. You guys take care. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties. All in the palm of your hand.